We'll read verses 8 through 20. Revelation 14, starting at verse 8. Hear now the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. Revelation 14. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 8 through 20. Now, if you'll recall from our former reading in verses 1 through 7, we had the war of words. There was the lamb on Mount Zion, his followers, the 144,000 in verses 1 through 5. And then we had an angel flying in the midst of heaven, preaching the everlasting gospel in verses 6 and 7. You'll recall that he commanded all the nations of the earth to fear God, to give glory to God, 
and to worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of water. This angel is followed by another angel. And here notice the war of words steps up to the next level. The first is the preaching of the good news of the fear of God and the worship of God and the glorifying of God. Now there's a warning. If you will not fear God, if you will live under the Babylonish system, if you will worship the beast and his image, if you will not listen to Christ but rather to Antichrist, your doom is sealed. Babylon is as good as dead. That's what that means. Fallen, fallen. It's repeated so that you get the, the point. Completely, utterly fallen. Now, Babylon has not been reaped. Babylon has not been destroyed. Her city has not yet been burned with fire. It shall be, as we'll see in the vials that are poured out in chapter 15 and in the exposition of those vials in 16 and following. Babylon is not done yet, but remember, there is what we call the pro prophetic past tense, the prophetic preterite. God is saying something already happened that most certainly will. By the preaching of the gospel, the doom of Babylon is sealed. She cannot survive. She will be wasted away and consumed with the breath of the mouth of the Son of God by the preaching of his angels. Now notice, Babylon is that great city called elsewhere Sodom and Egypt. Those who had brought the church into captivity trampling on the courts of the Gentiles, slaying the two witnesses, driving the woman, the spouse of Christ, into the wilderness. This is the city sitting upon these hills with these ten kings who would persecute the church. The great red dragon handing his kingdom to the beast, the little lamb, dragon, man beast. This is the prophetic preterite. As soon as God begins the process, he will most certainly finish Babylon. Let us read the Bible with wisdom. You'll notice this in the prophets. They will often say that things are near to be accomplished or they're already accomplished when they have not begun to be accomplished historically. And they will tell you these things as if they're a fit accompli, already finished and done, but what? They must go on. The beginning of the end is the end, since God, who determined the beginning of the end, has determined the finality of it as well. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. She has already fallen. She fell once for all. Rejoice then in the overthrow of all spiritual whoredoms. That's what Babylon represents. The notion that man can build his own kingdom without reference to God's commandments. That's what the Tower of Babel was. That's where Babylon was built. We can do this ourselves. We don't need God telling us what to do. She made, verse 8 tells us, all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now notice, he shifts from the beast, with, which is masculine, in the prior chapters, now he's talking about a woman, she, Babylon. She is like a woman who's supposed to be in submission to her husband, but what's she doing? She's out making everybody drunk. 
With what? The wine of the wrath of her fornication. Her wine makes people spiritually fornicate with graven images. And therefore the wrath of God will be poured out on all who fornicate together with her. This is the wormwood apostasy. This is the lamb-like speaking of a dragon. This is the church of Rome, which succeeded the pagan Rome and red dragon. This is she who gave herself out to be a lamb, to be a wife, but is rather a dragon and a whore. If any man worship the beast and his image, this beast that succeeded the Roman Empire, this beast who had the power of the dragon, this beast who would oppose and exalt himself against the church and push her into the wilderness. Yes, they will receive double for their sins. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Verse 10. Remember, cups and wines. This is called poetic justice. She gave the wine of her fornication. What does she receive? The wine of the wrath of God. She has a beautiful golden cup that she gives the nations to drink. And what will she have? She will have a cup herself. Remember, he that leadeth into captivity shall be led captive. He that killeth with the sword shall himself be killed by the sword. Herein is the patience of the saints. She will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. She gave the, the wine of her fornication. She will drink wine herself. And these shall be tormented with fire and with brimstone. Who was tormented with fire and brimstone but the sodomites? And why were the sodomites tormented with fire and brimstone? Do you know? Well, the Bible gives us very clear indications they inverted the order of nature. They turned it upside down so that you had males with males doing that which is unseemly. Now, did you know that there is a spiritual sodomy? You know what it is? When you invert the order of nature, what is spiritual sodomy? Who is supposed to be worshipped? God himself. What happens when you direct worship to the creature rather than the creator? You know what you're doing? You're inverting the order of nature, just like sodomites do. And we'll see this in Romans 1. What is the judgment for worshiping and serving the creature in Romans 1? Sodomy and lesbianism. God gives you over to a debased mind to do those things that are not convenient. Why? Because you took his invisible attributes and you exchanged it for an image and said, I prefer images to the invisible God. So he says, okay. That's how you want it? You can burn in your filthy lusts. I will turn you over to a reprobate mind. Spiritual sodomy is called idolatry, just as it is spiritual whoredom to violate God, your husband. So it is spiritual sodomy to violate the order of nature and worship and serve the creature. So they shall be tormented as the sodomites were. And notice who's there. Where will they be tormented? In the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. No, not your little figurine lamb, not your little figurine angel isn't that cute. No, 
this is hellfire, burning in their presence, they approving and consenting to the damnation of these who are suffering. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And if this is the case with those who would profess to be the people of God and would commit idolatry, what shall become of those outside of the visible church who don't even profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Hell is real. And as they say, it's for keeps. It goes on forever and ever. Flee then from the wrath to come, as John the Baptist said. Run the other way. Here comes the wrath. It's destined to come. You can't escape it. Run. Where? Where will you find refuge? Flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Flee to our Savior. Fear God. Give Him the glory. Worship Him that made heaven and earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Receive this everlasting gospel. And notice verse 12. He repeats what we've read before. What is the mark of those who are not tormented in these fires? Well, they keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. And then they say, oh, great God, the good you have done to me, how can I be thankful to you? How can I show you my gratitude for all that you've done for me? Keep my commandments. That's what he says. If you've been forgiven much, you will love much. How do you love him? By keeping his commandments. These keep the faith of Jesus Christ. These keep the commandments of God himself. What does the whore say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Trust us. Trust me. Hear my voice. Follow my canons, my rules, my laws, my doctrines. Not his. Don't listen to him. Listen to me. These keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ, not the doctrines and commandments of men, not the faith in a different Christ, and note the blessing even in death. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Here's another step. Not only is Babylon fallen, not only shall they all partake in the wine of the wrath of God and be judged by him like sodomites, but those who fear God and keep his commandments, those who believe in Christ and who obey the laws of Scripture, they shall be blessed. Babylon is doomed. Unrepentant idolaters will burn in hell, but God will bless his own when they shall shine forth in his kingdom. Believe then on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep the commandments of God, not the doctrines and commandments of men, not of a beast who poses as a man, but of God himself. God the Holy Spirit interjects in verse 13, Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Will they have troubles in this life? Persecutions? Desertions by God? All shall be well with them in the end. 
They may rest from their labors. Their works do follow them. God will crown his own gifts. He will bless the labors of their hands. And now we have in verses 14 through 20, the treading of the wicked and the harvest of the earth. There is a white cloud in verse 14. One like unto the Son of Man. This is right out of Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Now this is not the coming at the end that he's speaking of. He's still where? Up in heaven. He's not coming down upon the earth just yet, but he's going to harvest the God-man sitting upon not even Mount Zion, but floating in the air, so to speak. He has a golden crown upon his head, and in his hand a sharp sickle, ruling, purging, harvesting. Another angel, verse 15, comes out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. You hear that? The angel is commanding Christ what to do. That's how we know it's Christ, not so much as he is God the Son, but so much as he is our mediator, God and man, listening to the commandments, obeying what the Father sends, even if through an angel he will do it. For the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Do you remember the iniquity of the Amorites? It was not yet full. Abraham was told that's why the inheritance wasn't given just yet. Here notice, Babylon's fruit has come to full sugar. It's all the way up to harvest. It's time to reap. The wicked and worldly wise men shall have their just reward. Their sin has come to ripeness. Verse 16 shows the ripening and then verse or excuse me the reaping and then verse 17 another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven the place where God is worshiped that's what the temple is his holy church the westminster annotations say this figures some ministers of note that shall assist the princes in destroying antichrist and in reforming religion Notice, this is the first thrusting in in the sickle, not the last. This is the beginning of the harvest of the Antichrist and the destruction of his kingdom, not the final harvest. He also having a sharp sickle. The Lord sending these laborers into his vineyard to reap sharp doctrines of distinction, of cutting judgment, fruit ready to be crushed and destroyed. Verse 18 has another angel came out, coming out from the altar, having power over fire. Now remember, the beast had power over fire as well. He had lying signs and wonders. He could call down judgments from God upon those who were godly, those who did the Lord's will. He could excommunicate them. He could bring the thunderbolts down. But here we have another angel with power over fire to call down the fire of God's jealousy against those who worship graven images, those who commit idolatry and spiritual whoredom. They're filled with a zeal. That's what it means to have zeal, to be boiling up with heat for their master's house to be cleansed out of the temple of God Almighty. He cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, verse 18 tells us, 
And then note in verse 19, was gathered the vine of the earth, and it was cast into the winepress of the wrath of God. Moses said to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 32, that their vine is the vine of Sodom, and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons, and the cruel venom of asps. This is the wine that will now be crushed. The, the winepress then is filled with all this ripe fruit, and the winepress was trodden without the city. Now remember, what did we have at first? We had the war of words, the everlasting gospel, the fall of Babylon, the doom of those who stay unrepentant, the blessing on those who come out of Babylon. Now what do we have? Execution of the decree, of the sentence, of the judgment, judgment after judgment. Here comes the vintage. Put it in the winepress. Now what? Take it outside of the city. Put it away from people's view because that wrath of God will be severe and it will be messy. The blood then comes out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles. Now we'll see in chapter 19 what exactly he's doing here. He's mixing metaphors. The one metaphor is the crushing of the grapes in the wine vat. The other is where the horses go forth to battle, and he mixes those two metaphors both here and also in chapter 19, verses 14 and 15. When the horsemen ride after the Lord Jesus Christ, who goes forth at the head of his army, the bodies will be stacked so high that they will come up to the horse's bridle. Can you imagine? How long is this journey? Notice he says here, 1,600 furlongs. Now a furlong is about one-eighth of a mile, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary. 200 miles of slaughter with Jesus and his warriors who follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth, here they go forth into battle, exercising the wrath of God, coming down on the adversaries of God, of which we shall read more in the passages to come. I note then that Christ's enemies are doomed. Their days are numbered. The harvest will be thorough. It has been thorough to date, and it will be finished in due course, such that Christ alone, and not the Antichrist, the actual Lamb of God, and not the false dragon-speaking Lamb, he will be exalted, and this false Lamb shall be crushed. This man of sin shall be wasted away by the preaching of God's word until at last he is cast into the pit of hell, crushed under the feet of Jesus Christ, and Christ himself shall be exalted. Sue then for peace to King Jesus. Come and bow at his footstool. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Repent or perish. Amen.